millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. episode 132 of real life ghost stories how you do to kick things off this week we need to thank our newest patreon subscribers we would like to thank linda michael louise amy hatcher kitty howard summer Catherine, shelly blower jenny mcneil holder jess kelly ann blashier caleb kenny adams andrea p gammon laura garrett Davidson Sutherland, Dean Bagnasco, Adriana Perez, and Dan Baxter Clark. Thank you so much for being our Patreon subscribers. We love you and we appreciate you every single day. And our film review this week, our film review is The Army of the Dead. Army of the Dead was released in 2021. It has 6.3 out of 10 on IMDb and 73% on Rotten Tomatoes. Would you like a synopsis? Yes, please. After a zombie outbreak in Las Vegas, a group of mercenaries take the ultimate gamble by venturing into the quarantine zone for the greatest heist ever. What were your thoughts on this movie? Well, firstly, I feel like this might may be the newest film we've ever reviewed, seeing as it only came out on Friday and obviously it's now Sunday. So this seems like a very fresh review for us, which is refreshing. Well, yes, fresh and refreshing, most definitely. <laughs> I mean, this is a action zombie flick, which at points is very predictable, but I still thoroughly enjoyed it. I do wonder with zombie films how new they can be, as in how new the ideas can be, because we've had so many zombie films that there are a certain number of tropes that are inevitable. However, what I will say, I do love a good zombie film. This film did the whole how the outbreak started, how it all went terribly wrong, and the backstories of all of the characters in the opening titles. Brilliant. That's all I needed. I don't need to see how the outbreak started and and how it all went terribly wrong because I've seen it in every other zombie film that there ever is. So I thought, yes, we're straight into it. We know where we're at. We don't really need an explanation. It's kind of alluded to. And uh, we kind of vaguely know who the characters are. Let's move on. Loved it. I also feel that I personally am not at a breaking point in terms of having my fill of zombie movies. And because I haven't seen that many, I felt like it did a couple of things that were new to me. So the heist with him in a zombie movie was a, a nice touch. There's been other, obviously, episodes of like trying to get hold of weapons and stuff like this. But this was like a proper bank job heist, like getting a team together and everything, which was quite new and refreshing. And also, Zombie Tiger. Yeah, I, I don't think anybody expected a Zombie Tiger. To be really frank, I didn't expect it. I also didn't expect to root for the Zombie Tiger in quite the way that I did. Because I wanted that zombie tiger to win at all costs. 
that's that's what I wanted. And you're right. I mean, in terms of a zombie film, they took an action film, a heist film, and framed it around <laughs> a zombie. And not even a zombie apocalypse, because it's only Las Vegas that's that's in any way affected. They've just walled off Vegas. And I thought that was really interesting. I did like the kind of I am legendy zombies who are more intelligent than your average zombie, are organized, have a structure. Kind of was rooting for them as well. I don't know if I was rooting for the right guys in all of this. I think at the end of the day, if there hadn't been a certain character in this story, you probably could have rooted for both sides and it would have been fine. Yeah, definitely. Because I don't, I really, you know, the zombies, they weren't wrong in the way they behaved, okay? They weren't wrong. And uh, having a zombie man riding a zombie horse, what more do you need in life? And wearing a metallic mask because he'd figured out that the headshot was a thing that would kill him. I mean, that is zombie genius. Oh, just incredible. Incredible. Like, it is, it's, I hate using this word, but the film is a romp. That's a very film critic word, isn't it? <laughs> it's definitely something the Sunday Mirror puts on the front of movies that aren't that good. So, yeah. <laughs> but it is. It's fine. It's not great. It's not terrible. It, what it was, it, you know, I was entertained by it the whole way through. I had two problems with it. The first problem was a legitimate problem. The second problem is personal. <laughs> the first problem was every time it did the headshot, soft focus background shot, you knew someone was about to die. Uh, which kind of took away the fun of it, I guess, a little bit, even though a lot of the deaths you knew were coming at some point. And the second thing is, tonally, it just wasn't as good as the three, like the Romero trilogy. And I don't know what I was thinking about it all the way through. I was like, there was something about the tone of those three movies which just makes it feel more serious. Yeah, I guess this didn't feel very serious. And there was a huge, there was a lot of comedy in this movie. There was a lot of really quick one-liners from characters. I will say that the 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 group of mercenaries that were all put together to perform this heist, there were some really great characters in there, like really funny characters. Please stop. I, I wish we didn't have over-emotional moments in zombie films, you know, because I don't need it. Like I was saying at the beginning, the way they got rid of the backstories and the backstories were told in about three seconds, because inevitably in zombie mil- films, you have this like, before all this began, I was a humble baker with three loving daughters. You know what I mean? And I don't need that. All right. I don't need that. Equally, I don't need to see Batista and his daughter having a heart to heart in the middle in the middle of a pivotal moment where they didn't actually have the time to have a heart to heart. OK. And I think that's the problem. I think, you know, you need they need it for a, uh, for a story device in the film to establish these relationships. But they spend too long on it because if you were in that intense environment, you wouldn't be choosing your moments to have that conversation. I don't care how estranged you are from your daughter there are better times and places. And I feel that's why Romero's will always be superior because he establishes those relationships in a much more minute way still as well, but not without all these never-ending chats. I think in the real world as well, if you were in that situation, you just wouldn't. You would not, that would not be the the appropriate moment to have deep and meaningful conversations, especially when you're you're in a very uh, time-limiting situation. You know, you've got to move and you've got to move fast. Sorry, Sorry, Batista, you don't have the time to look longingly into the distance and mourn the death of your wife, okay? We all got what happened, moved on. But you can act, so well done. Yeah, I didn't think he was that bad as an actor. I was actually quite impressed with him because I've seen him in, uh, what you call Guardians. that film, Guardians of the Galaxy. And it's a very different thing because he's playing like a comedy character, I guess. 
Um, so it's a, a completely different role. Whereas this, he was just just playing a straight character. And I thought, you know what? Fair play to you, Batista. I mean, he's not going to win any Oscars, but he's not he's not terrible. So what would you give this film out of five? It's a, it's a solid four for me for sheer enjoyment factor. It's not a mind-blowing. Like I said, it's not going to be up there in my favourite zombie movies, but I'd definitely watch it again. I'm going to give it a four as well. I totally agree. I mean, it's not out of this world, but it's not bad. Yes, it has loads of the zombie tropes. Yes, it's predictable, but I was very entertained by it. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Which brings us to our story this week. And our story this week was suggested by the lovely Kifa, who emailed and said, Hey, have you guys considered doing any trucker stories? Which I really hadn't. And then I'm actually hitting Dan while I'm talking to him because I'm just, I'm very enthusiastic about this. Sorry. Um, because I, I just hadn't considered it. And then I spent ages reading incredible stories from truckers, not just paranormal ones, but all sorts of stories about weird shit they've seen on the road. So in today's episode, we are going to be looking at a number of trucker stories, the majority of which have come from Reddit. All the links are in the description to this episode. And the first story actually comes from Kifa. But actually from her dad, who was a trucker for a very long time. Are you ready? Oh, definitely not. This is going to freak me out. My dad is a veteran trucker. He's worked all over the world, from the Rocky Mountains to the French Alps. Being one for over 50 years, only having retired this year. I know this bugs you, Emma, so I'm sorry. But my dad is a very intimidating looking man. Not the type people would mess with. And absolutely nothing scares him. He'd been doing a late night drop in Killybegs and had to drive home to Dublin. It was getting late and he decided to pull into a lay-by and get some rest. He said there was a pub across the road, which isn't uncommon for Ireland, they're everywhere. He decided he'd go in for a pint after a long day. When he went into the pub, everyone was dressed in really old-fashioned clothing and old music was playing and people were dancing and having a great time. He also said he couldn't focus on their faces. It was almost like static where their faces should be. Like I said, nothing scares him and he ordered his pint. To this day, my dad will say that that was the nicest pint he's ever had in his entire life. He just had the one, went back to his truck and pulled his curtains. He stayed up doing crosswords until he dozed off. The next morning at around five or six, he planned to get home early and wanted to go into the pub for some breakfast and use the bathroom before he started driving. 
He got out of the truck and walked towards it before realising the pub he had been in only hours before was derelict and boarded up for what looked like years. I know it could be put down to dreaming so he walked up to investigate and said his footprints in his size 11 steel toe cap boots were clearly visible going towards the door and back out and clearly visible coming out the back door where he said he went out to have a cigarette mid-pint the night before. He said he thanked the patrons for their hospitality and drove on home. My dad's next experience happened in Ireland as well, but I'm not too sure exactly where. We're from Dublin, but I know it was somewhere down the country. He was doing another late drop when he felt the need to pull over. This wasn't uncommon and myself and my brothers used to love going on overnights with him. Anyway, he pulled into a lay-by, checked over his truck and trailer and pulled his curtains for the night. He started doing his crosswords and at about 12am there was a knock on the driver's side door where he was sitting. He looked out the window but it was pitch dark so he got out to see if someone needed help or if he was parked on someone's property. There was nobody there. Even though I said he looked intimidating, my dad is the type of person to help anyone out no matter what, even bringing home injured animals. So he got back in his truck and carried on his crossword. A few minutes later, there was another knock. He said it was a couple of knocks, like as if to get his attention. Again, he got out with a torch and searched for the person, even looked under his truck in case it was someone high as a kite trying to do something. Again, there was absolutely nobody. Same thing, he gets back in his truck, does his puzzles, and half an hour or so goes by and he hears urgent knocking louder and more knocks than before. So he jumps out to try and catch them before they hide. It's about 2am now. Torch in hand, he shouts into the darkness, If you need help, I can help you, but if not, then fuck off so I can rest. No response. Not even so much as a pebble drop. He's getting agitated now, and stays standing at the door in case they come back, and he can surprise them from the dark. After about 40 minutes, he gets back in and no sooner does he close the door when there's more banging. He rolls down the window and shouts, If you knock one more time, you will need help because I'll fucking kill you, in his thick Dublin accent. Nothing more happens and he goes asleep. As soon as morning came, he got out of the truck to see if there were any tracks or anything. Instead, he found that he had parked right next to a really, really old graveyard. He apologised to the occupants and went on his way. I guess he wasn't the only one trying to get some rest. Thank goodness Kiefer's dad is a tough fella because in both of those situations I probably would have ended up just crying behind the wheel of my static truck, fearing for my life and not being able to move on with my job so I probably would have got sacked. That would have been the end of my career as a trucker, which is quite sad. Um... (laughs) I feel the second story is just irritating as heck, right? You're just trying to settle down. It just keeps going on. And I think this is the first time we've had a story where the person experiencing the haunting has threatened to kill the ghost. It's potentially already dead. (laughs) But it seemed to have worked. I was going to do that in a Dublin accent, but I decided not to because it would probably end up just sounding offensive. And I do need, I feel like I need to clarify as well. So there's some, as you've seen, I'm talking to Dan here when I say as you've seen, but there are some places in Ireland, especially in rural Ireland, where you will literally find a pub in the middle of nowhere. That It would seem like there's no houses around, but they were in rural Ireland, they were a post office, a shop, 
a pub, probably a, a doctor's office all in one. And they were generally kind of at the side of the road in like a middle ground where all of the people in the rural area could go and meet up. And they were, they, you can literally come across a pub in the middle of nowhere. So I can understand this trucker being like, oh, brilliant, a pub, great, I'll stop and going in and not thinking twice about it when everybody's on the set and maybe wearing older fashion clothes. Not that all rural people, you know, wear old fashioned clothes or anything, but, uh, and playing old Irish music, whatever. I'd just be like, brilliant, we'll have a drink. I think unless you're, you know, unless there's a, a, a fragment of doubt in your mind that this might not be genuine, I think if you walk into a room full of people and it's lively and it's going off, don't tend to think anything's wrong until it's too late anyway that which sounds really morbid that's not what I meant but you know like until no, but it's true and so I would be in exactly the same if I walked in but it's the following day when I would just collapse in fear and not be able to get over it because this is clearly a very lucid example of a time slip there is something about a time slip like this that does appeal to me and that is the fact that I could potentially get a pint out of it yeah have a nice drink he said it was the best pint he ever had win-win and I think there's something like uh, magical about going into an old-fashioned pub where there's like a traditional Irish music playing everyone's on the sesh everyone is like having a Kaylee and having a great time I mean it's it is a time of joy genuinely a time of joy so I can understand if you if you're ever going to relive a moment or if there's ever a time slip to be caught in that's the one I want to be caught in And I mean after you know a year and a half of lockdown I can say that the thought of going into any pub is magical uh, regardless of whether it's old or playing timely music if they've got beer on tap it sounds like a good time okay so more stories these all come from reddit etc the links are in the description so on so forth let's do this I've spent the past four years driving every night for work I was in a fairly rural part of Mississippi somewhere between Clarksdale and Greenwood where it's all two-laned highways the 250 mile drive home the weather had turned pretty sour as I was leaving Clarksdale I called my wife and told her there were high wind advisories and very possible tornado threats and I'd call her as soon as I made it to a safe area again I'd already been working for 14 hours when I got in the truck so I ate dinner and grabbed some coffee to stay awake and alert now if you've ever driven through flat farmland at night for 100 miles It's very fatiguing and spooky, even without bad weather. I had driven maybe 30 miles out into the farmland when hail started bouncing off my truck. In July, hail means a tornado and I knew it. I pulled off to the side with no one around me and started looking for the storm or tornado that I believed was approaching. I rolled the passenger window down and shone a bright flashlight off into the night. There was nothing there. I turned to the driver's side and this guy has his face pushed against my glass, grinning from ear to ear. It was a tall male, very, very pale white. Eyes were sunk back quite a bit, but that grin is what truly got me. It was corner to corner with crooked teeth like the Cheshire cat. Then I screamed and he was gone. I slammed the truck in drive and took off at the highest speed I could go. Now, my company has a camera installed in my truck. So even though I called my wife and didn't tell her about the guy or the hail, I made darn sure I checked my SD card the moment after I hung up. I promise you this guy never popped up on my front or rear cameras. I've always played it off as my imagination, but I will say I don't drive through the Delta in the dark anymore if I absolutely do not have to. 
Why? Why do we have to have a story about a scary grinning man? Injured Cold just shows up everywhere, doesn't he? Just mm. everywhere that he's not wanted. It's very creepy. I think you could almost put this down to fatigue, to be honest with you. Having like nowhere near the same distance as truckers, but having driven 150 miles on through the country, about 200 miles in total, when I've been very tired, it is a struggle. <laughs> yeah, I've never had an experience of driving like that length of time or that long of a journey. But I did read loads of stories about truckers who... Do you remember in like the kind of mid 2000s there was like all of those um shot energy drinks that were outrageously full of caffeine like (laughs) just just way too much caffeine for any human being and you could also get those energy pills i think they called them like pep pills in america is that am i making that up no it sounds about right but there was a there was one particular story that i read about a trucker who was taking those pep pills which was i think pretty common a pretty common thing to do and he started hallucinating these giant rabbits in the middle of the road and he was free swerving to avoid these rabbits and then pulled over and was like oh <laughs> <laughs> i think these pills might have fucked me up a bit and i i'd, I'd imagine that is surprisingly common because i know they have laws don't they about like how long truckers are allowed to travel before they have to stop and before, how long their rest breaks have to be and whatever and that's for a reason I also feel like this is part of the body's natural reaction because I feel like a scare jolts you out of tiredness quicker than anything else. So I feel like sometimes the body just manifests stuff and like you see things that aren't there as a sort of mechanism to stop you from falling asleep. That is incredibly logical. <laughs> like almost concerningly logical. <laughs> Don't look so shocked. I am very shocked. <laughs> but you're right. I mean, it's it's one of those things, isn't it? You get a fright and you're immediately fully awake. <gasps> Who are you? What have you done to Dan? Do you want another story and see if that scares you? Yeah, please. This story comes from The Turtle Moves. I was working the overnight shift from Friday night into Saturday morning at a gas station. At around 6am, a semi pulls into the fuel aisle. The driver gets out and almost runs into the store, clearly shaken. His face is completely white and he is obviously upset. My first thought was that the poor man had hit someone on the road, since we get a lot of people walking across a four-lane highway in front of the store. So I ask him what's wrong, and he looks at me for a second and says, I'm not crazy. Now I'm thinking, great, I'm here all alone and this guy is losing it. So I tell him, of course not. And he says, I just saw something huge on the side of the road. I asked him, was it a deer or a bear? because we had had a bear get in the dumpster last week. No, it was bigger than a bear and it was on its back legs. I thought maybe it was a big person and he said, it picked up a dead book on the side of the road and carried it over its shoulder into the woods. I could only stare at him. My brain could not deal with this information this late in a shift. A local came up to the counter to get his usual And the guy told him the story too. And the local just said, Oh, that's the Bigfoot that lives near the county line. The truck driver and I were both looking at this guy like he has two heads. He had to be joking. The trucker paid for his fuel at record speed and left, never to be seen again. The local still insists that it's Bigfoot. I just don't go into the woods now because I don't know. Now, Mr. Clark at the gas station, let me tell you that this is very clearly a case of a Bigfoot sighting. 
It can be nothing else. You may need to embrace the fact that it wasn't a bear in a dumpster. It was Bigfoot. I literally was like, who the heck is Mr. Clark? <laughs> Did not understand what you were saying there at all. That's why I was looking at you the whole way through that sentence. I was like, oh my God, who's Mr. Clark? Is he okay? Like, is Dan okay? Did he mishear something? No, I understand now. I also love the reticence of people to believe they've just witnessed something completely out of the ordinary. A local comes up and he's like, oh yeah, that was Bigfoot. Uh, see you later. You know, leaves and everybody's like, how ridiculous. This creature picked a book up and threw it over its shoulder, okay, and went off about its business. And you're there questioning this local giving him side eye and saying oh that guy talking about Bigfoot again unless he's like you and everything is Bigfoot <laughs> you know some somebody's house gets broken into it was Bigfoot was it really someone's car gets stolen it was Bigfoot I'll have you know that Bigfoot is a very proficient driver no it's true I can't believe I was unaware <laughs> now this has got me thinking because I feel like if I saw Bigfoot walking away from me I'd be a little shook but I wouldn't be like full-blown shook no, I think you're completely wrong. I think you're thinking that because you don't find Bigfoot threatening in a way that like ghosts and stuff are, right? And also Bigfoot is very far away from you in terms of, you know, geography. Uh, but I think if we were in America driving along the highway and you actually saw a Bigfoot, I think it would, I think you'd lose your mind. You would lose your mind. Again, it is a case of your whole belief system has to change. If you see something like that, there's a difference between being aware of it and thinking, oh, yeah, you know, that's that's I I can get on board with that. And then actually physically seeing it in real life. You are right. I would lose my mind out of pure joy. <laughs> the excitement and the ecstasy of seeing a Bigfoot. <laughs> no, obviously, I would be probably shook, actually, now you've explained it logically. But during the story, I was trying to convince myself that if it was walking away from me, I'd just be like cool 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 there he goes see you later bigfoot thanks for making yourself known to me and this story comes from i collect the day i was driving through eastern washington on some state roads there were no rest stops or cities but i had done the route enough to know where there was massive dirt areas every 40 miles or so where you could park safely away from the road I decided to call it a night and close my blinds and lay down to watch something on my phone. After roughly an hour, I hear someone trying to open the driver's side door. I haven't heard any vehicles on the road the whole time I was parked up, but I got up to peek out the curtains. As I was looking out into the blackness of the window, I hear whoever it was try the passenger side door. I peeked from the top curtain but didn't see anything, so I started the truck and kicked on the lights. I was fairly freaked out at this point, so I still wasn't opening the curtains, but peeked through the gaps. Nothing. Nobody was standing near either of my doors or parked within sightline. I took a deep breath and closed the sleeper curtains too, because for some reason that was going to make things better, right? But the worst was yet to come. After laying back down and convincing myself that something blew against the truck and it only sounded like the doors, I heard what sounded like someone trying to pry open the vents on the sleeper. The door handles started clicking again and the truck started shifting like someone was climbing on it. I hit the little alarm button in the sleeper hoping to spook them off. It does nothing, 
but add to the noise of the door handles, fingers tapping on windows and the chassis and the hiss of the air coming out of the suspension. And then suddenly, it stops. There were a few moments where I could only hear myself breathing and my heart pounding before I heard another truck approach and then drive by. I spent the next few hours waiting for whatever it was to come back, but it never did. In the morning, I couldn't find any footprints or damage to my truck, but on every window were tiny human handprints, like a toddler had licked their hand and stuck it to my window over and over. No, thank you. I do not need anything like this going on in my life. Why does it have to be tiny hands? Why can't it be like scratch marks or claws or something like that? Do you know why it has to be tiny hands? Because I think it's a raccoon. Ah. Right? So I read this story and I thought, I wonder if it's a raccoon because they're quite wily, aren't they? And they only come out with it. Not that they only come out at night time, but they predominantly are active at night time. They are little scroungers and will be bopping around with their little human hands looking for things. And uh, I also read this story about this girl uh, who spent literally her whole childhood petrified of this ghost with black hands that would put its little hand in through her window every night and try and grab what was on her windowsill. And then she posted about it on Reddit and Reddit was like, babe, that was a raccoon. (laughs) And how great must she have felt then to be like, oh, wow. It's okay. I mean, all those all those years of absolute terror that I endured. But hey, at least now I know. I feel like the alarm would have spooked him. I feel like the alarm would have spooked him. But I always get the impression that raccoons are like, uh, they're not only wily, but they're also really bold. Like they'd come right up to your, right, right, that, you know, they'd steal out your pocket. They're essentially trash monkeys, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think, I don't know, I feel like this one might be raccoons. I'll let you have the benefit of the doubt because the alternative is child ghosts and I, or black-eyed children. and, and Scrabbling uh, all over mm-hmm, your car. Mm-hmm, no, thank you. No, and I, and I have to say, like, even, you know, at the time, I can only assume that that was for that trucker. He must have been absolutely petrified, like, beyond all reason. Because I would be. I would be shitting myself. And I don't think I would automatically think raccoon. And this story comes from Akano19. I parked off an exit ramp at about 3am. The moon was full and high and I spotted an unmistakably human figure in a nearby cut cornfield. A little spooky, but I just wrote it off as an old timer putting up a scarecrow for the grandkids. I started watching a few YouTube videos before turning in and out of the corner of my vision I thought I saw movement. I shut my lights off to get a good look and saw the figure but nothing else. I couldn't be sure, but it looked like maybe it was in a different spot. Maybe a little closer even. And I was definitely feeling a bit spooked. The highway was devoid of anyone besides a car passing every ten minutes or so. I didn't want to, but I had to jump out to go to the bathroom. I considered a bottle, but I told myself I was being childish. I took a look at the figure and it was right where I figured it should be. I hopped out walked between my truck and my trailer and start going to the toilet. Every fibre of my being wanted to look. I told myself again I was being foolish but I couldn't help it. I looked out. The field was empty. The figure just wasn't there anymore. My stomach dropped. I finished up and jumped back in and I took off down the highway, 
stopped 40 minutes up the road at a well-lit and very full store, and I haven't stopped on a ramp since. This has major Jeepers Creepers vibes. The bit where they're in the old lady's house. And uh, she's like, that ain't no scarecrow. This is an example of how a really short story can be really creepy. And all it takes is just saying there was something there. And when I looked, it had gone. That's essentially is the plot of this story. Yeah, and that's all it needs. And then your imagination fills in the rest of the blanks. So mine is some kind of hook-wielding scarecrow hybrid monster. And I'm not here for it. There were loads of uh, comments on this Reddit forum literally saying the same thing where they were like, this is like a horror movie in a paragraph. That is what this is. And also lots of people being like, it might have just been a farmer who was watching this truck pull over and then moved, (laughs) which is also very true. But I think it's either way, it's, you know, it's pretty, pretty terrifying. I mean, it's awful. I think there's something about, and again, this is popular culture's fault, but there's something about cornfields as well, isn't there? Just in general, like anybody, anytime anybody says, oh, there's something in a cornfield, I'm like, well, that's going to get you. You're going to end up splattered somewhere or abducted or, I don't know, being eaten by the weeds. For me, with cornfields, it is... Signs. Signs, yeah. This The bit where he turns around and sees the leg going into the field. <laughs> I still can't even think about it. And uh, the other one is the Velociraptors in the long grass in Jurassic World. Petrifying. So I agree with you. Cornfields, long grass, not a place that I would like to be. Yeah, yeah there's something about those Velociraptors in the Lost World that are just a bit chilling in that long grass. Mm, but it's the tails in the air. Mm, yeah, no. Nothing ever good happens in cornfields apart from Field of Dreams. I feel like that. Had, but that also had ghosts in it because it had ghost baseball players. So no, we've established that nothing ever good happens in mm. a cornfield. Maybe that should be the title of this episode. Well, maybe it will be the title of this episode. This one comes from Screw Lucy. My dad drove a truck between Edinburgh and London and tells this story often. He was driving down the motorway and looked to his right, only to see a woman with a severe bun staring at him with a terrified expression from a car next to him. Before he really knew how to react, the car pulled off at the next exit and my dad, although shaken, carried on. About half an hour later, a different car, with a different driver, pulled alongside my dad. When he looked over, his blood ran cold. It was the same woman in the passenger seat, with the same expression on her face. My dad thought, screw this, and planned to pull into the next services to report it, even if it's a misunderstanding. Better to be safe than sorry, right? However, the car disappeared before he could get any details and he thought there was no point calling the authorities with no details, so he carried on driving. Literally around four hours later, almost in London, yet another car pulled alongside him with the same woman, same hair, same terrified expression, except this time she appeared to be screaming at my dad through the window. So my dad pulled over and called the authorities. Apparently, they had received three other calls about the same woman in the same area in the last few minutes. He never heard anything more about it, but he didn't see her again. Although he kept an eye on the news, he also didn't see anything about it. I think it really haunts him to this day. Now this story is clearly terrifying, but there is something I need to clear up first of all. What on earth is a severe bun? A severe bun is a where you have your hair up in a bun, but it's really tight. So your hair is all pulled back into a bun. 
No, I did not say burn. Yes, I made the same mistake when I was reading this story first because I thought it said severe burn, but it didn't. It said severe bun. So a severe, any severe hairstyle means that it's really tight. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. So the driver, the dad of the storyteller, the driver was scared of the hairstyle. Let me tell you, a severe bun would be like a ballet dancer. You know, they have their hair all back really neatly in a really tight bun. That's, That's a severe bun. And that's scary. I wouldn't personally find it scary, but no, that's just the term that you use to describe it. Okay. I... She looked terrified. Okay, but that... <laughs> okay, well, in that case, well, I thought originally you said <laughs> severe burn, right? And I was like, okay, well, that's quite, you know, that's quite scary because potentially yeah. someone's been hurt. I'm I'm a little bit confused as to why this guy is scared. Like, I've seen loads of drivers that look terrified. <laughs> like... Yeah, when they're driving around you. <laughs> Particularly in a passenger seat and someone else is driving. <laughs> Seeing the same woman in different cars over and over again. Oh, yeah, that's kind of creepy. Yeah, that's what... <laughs> How did we lose communication completely know. in this story? So he saw a girl. The hair, Her hairstyle was really severe. Like, she had it all scraped back off her face in a really tight bun. And she looked really frightened. And he was like, oh, that's weird. So, and then he saw her again in a different car and he was like, oh shit, that's weird. And then four hours later, he saw her again, but in a different car again. And this time she was screaming at him. So he called the authorities and they said, we've got three different phone calls of the same woman. But he saw the same woman three times in three different cars across the period of the drive from Edinburgh to London. Okay, so this is actually quite terrifying because that means potentially there's three different drivers that are completely unaware that there's a ghost screaming woman in the passenger seat. I think if it, if this was like supernatural or real, it's equally terrifying. Because if, if it's supernatural and you've got a ghost woman in different cars, oh my God, terrifying. But also, if it's not supernatural, it means that that woman has like been kidnapped or trafficked or something and has been moved between three different cars and that lorry driver just happened to see her three different times. Yeah, we, and the sort of the lack of concern by the police would suggest that hopefully it isn't real because <laughs> then we're just like, oh yeah, we've had a couple of reports about that same woman. Thanks. I don't think that means they weren't concerned. (laughs) Just means that other people were, you know, reporting stuff. I mean, I I do feel very reassured that I shouldn't be scared of hairstyles. I mean, that is... I'm glad we've cleared that up today. At least there's one thing you can take away from this story. It's that there is not another thing that you need to be scared of. And that hairstyles are fine. It's just a term that is used. I knew I should have. I knew. I knew when I wrote this down. (laughs) That I thought, I thought, oh, maybe I should think of a different way to frame that because I, I think severe bun might cause problems. It did cause problems. <laughs> Here's me just trying to find some really spooky stories for you and you're fixated now on somebody's hairstyle. <laughs> a ghost's hairstyle. You're not even concerned about the ghost element. You're concerned about her hairstyle. <laughs> and this story comes from Vextrud. I used to work as a field technician in the oil industry. So I spent a lot of time driving through remote areas of Canada at odd hours. One very strange and eerie experience sticks with me. I was driving late at night when I noticed a very large black shape on the road in front of me. Thinking it was a moose, I stepped on the brakes, coming to a stop only a few feet from it. Despite being so close and having my headlights shining directly on it, I still couldn't tell what I was looking at. It was vaguely the shape of a four-legged animal, but very big, probably about six feet tall. And aside from that, it was completely featureless. I couldn't make out any details whatsoever. There was no shine from its eyes, nothing. But then I noticed something even more terrifying. 
There were more of them, in the ditch on both sides of the road. Five or six or maybe more. All the same as the black shape on the road in front of me. None of them were moving. They didn't look like physical objects or living things, more like just large patches of absolute darkness. After I got over my shock, dread started to set in and I drove around the thing on the road and sped off. Well, that is unlike anything I've heard before. Like, what what are these black blobs? I can picture them in my head and they're like black spiky four-legged shapes. And it's, I found I found this story quite disturbing, actually. It's very disturbing. I, you know, like what is, what? The thing is that the thing that gets me is this story takes place in like it could be any like it could be part of Canada that's really wild, and who's to say these things don't actually exist? There were um, comments about it underneath it saying it's uh, the black dog phenomenon, where quite a number of people, you know, all over the world have reported seeing these black spiky dark shapes whatever they are or absence of of anything just absolute darkness and uh, not knowing what they were imagine if his choice had been to speed up and he'd like driven into a black hole or something i cannot believe your brain went there (laughs) (laughs) wasn't expecting you to say that but there we are (laughs) i just don't it feels so weird because it's not really a creature is it because no there's no wire shine it kind of looked four-legged, but he couldn't work out what it is. And then there's other ones in the ditch. And it's like, you know, like you see, I don't know, like Teletubbies or something. <laughs> there's like that kind of weird alien-esque form that is like feeding. That's not the Teletubbies. <laughs> what are you talking about the Teletubbies? What do you mean? I'm trying to think of like a kid's show where there's like some kind of animals in the field and they're not like they're not scary until you actually think about what they are. They're oh, just teletubbies. Like... Yeah, teletubbies are terrifying. They're yeah. like eight feet tall and they're weird. They've got TVs in their bellies yeah, and they're really I didn't strange. explain it very well, but that's what I was that's what I meant. Like it's it's that thing where they're they're not scary until you actually think about what you're watching. And it's the same with these things. Like you're just looking at a black mass essentially, and then when you like it's just it's, oh it's weird. It is weird and it got me to think about remember we did that episode on Patreon about like ridiculous cryptids and we had a great laugh about it and and we you know we found it very funny and there were uh, there was I don't know if we mentioned it in that episode but one of the kind of ridiculous cryptids is stick men and I mean like literally as in like stick men that you'd draw but as a cryptid as in these really skinny like black masses with really long limbs really long legs and when you initially think about it you're like oh that's pretty funny and you think about that walking up your garden towards your house and it suddenly becomes less funny no 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 but what what i'm picturing in this story is you know snuffleupagus from sesame street you mean snuffleupagus that's the one um imagine him with no head and then black fur that is what you're looking at right (laughs) what am i looking at again who (laughs) Snuffleupagus. <laughs> you know the one I mean, though, right? The elephant one. <laughs> I'm actually crying. <laughs> oh, okay. We're going to go into the last story, okay? Okay. Okay. And the last story today comes from the lovely listener Ellie, and Ellie sent it in to us with permission from Gakwa. I was driving at night and the truck started making this odd grinding noise, like I ran over something that got stuck. It was about 2am. I pulled into a well-lit rest stop and woke up my buddy who was sleeping. 
As I explained the situation to him, we got out of the car and we both heard what sounded like a child crying. There were no other cars at the rest stop, but we frequently heard stories about child trafficking and kidnapping nearby, so we decided it was better to check it out. We grabbed our flashlights and headed towards the noise, which was coming from the bathrooms at the rest stop. As we got closer, we realised it was coming from the women's bathroom, and it was a low, dull sobbing. We were prepared for the worst. We walked in expecting to see something brutal, but we saw nothing. The sound was still there, and it was clearly coming from the room, but the room was empty. We turned on the lights, still nothing. We checked each stall, the trash can, nothing. We even started looking for where in the room it was coming from. Was it a hidden speaker? Were we on candid camera? My buddy climbed up one of the stalls to close the lone window in the room. And when he closed it, the noise stopped completely. He opened it again and there was no more noise. We sit there for a few seconds staring at each other. He shrugged. And then the window slammed shut again without him touching it. We were out of that forsaken bathroom in seconds. And the noise started up again about 10 seconds later. As we got to the truck and as we're tearing out of the parking lot within 10 more seconds. And the grinding noise in my engine is still there. So this time I pulled over a few miles later at a Flying J truck stop. It was well lit and known to be occupied. A couple of other truckers were there. We checked under the truck and there was a red and silver piece of metal wedged between a part of the truck and the road, about half an inch or so off the ground. So with those in the vehicle it would definitely have been grinding against the ground. We couldn't remove it by hand, it was really wedged in there. So we kicked at it to bend it and figure we'll remove it when we get back. A week later, I had my mechanic take it out when he was doing a service. And when he told me what it was, my blood ran cold. It was part of a kid's tricycle. Mm, No, 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 no. Like, okay, so it could obviously be a coincidence. I'm saying that now to calm myself down, but... I have to say, the the original poster of this story uh, said that they themselves have always told themselves it was just a coincidence and that it was just a weird weird coincidence that happened there was no connection between the two but they said that it still absolutely messed them up i mean why why wouldn't it like that is creepy as and the fact they followed the noise and it was still going no can't deal with that i I, I just don't need coincidences like this in my life really i just i could do without them i I just no no are you okay no no I mean everything about that is terrible and the fact that he had a friend there to investigate with him makes it doubly terrible because you're like oh wow both of you experienced this this is awful yeah like as we've said so many times over the last few months it's the additional confirmation of someone else isn't it and uh, I'm not having it (laughs) I will say that in the research for this episode you know like I said in the beginning I read loads of stories I cannot recommend enough reading stories from truckers because they are wild like even the non-paranormal ones I'm reading them and I'm going oh my gosh like there was one story about a guy who was uh, lying in his truck went to go for a sleep there was a dog barking outside his truck and he was like oh and he thought it was just uh, just a just a dog you know passing by and it was going and going and going so he said he, he was like oh, I'm going to get up and uh, scoot the dog away and he got up 
and there was a man barking at his truck obviously obviously the man was incredibly unwell and he was just like nope so locked himself in the truck but loads of stories like that where they're perfectly explainable for lots of different reasons but also horrific like just horrific it's just the remoteness of everything i think because like if you're a long distance trucker you drive long hours as has already been established by multiple stories in this episode often through really remote landscapes particularly if you drive in you know highlands wider europe or somewhere in america or canada then you are you know you're driving really remote landscapes and often these truck stops are really remote but also the only thing that is around in that area like your irish pub (laughs) yeah yeah and it becomes a beacon then for anybody that's in the area if you've got people who are kind of living living wild as it were people who are living in really remote communities like that truck stop is then a beacon for whatever reason whether it's good bad or indifferent uh yeah a lot of those stories like they were crazy just crazy crazy stories so i would definitely recommend if you're interested to check them out and if you enjoyed today's episode, you can find everything you need to know about us on reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. You can submit your own spooky story to reallifeghoststoriespodcast.gmail.com. You can support us on Patreon, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content. That is patreon.com forward slash stories. And as always, the links for everything are in the description of this episode. And on that note, we shall see you next week. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.